We're continuing our series on More Than a Feeling, and the title of my message this afternoon is Pop Idols. You know, as we grow up, often we have idols, we have things or people that we place inherent value in, and as we grow and mature in our walk with Jesus, hopefully there will become less and less idols. So the goal of this afternoon is to really, in our own lives, identify what are the, perhaps some of the subconscious or conscious idols that we have in our lives. So you may ask, well, what actually is an idol? It's anything that we allow to substitute for God in our lives. So perhaps you're in a relationship and you think living together before marriage, that's acceptable, that's your idol. Maybe premarital sex is okay, right? As long as she doesn't get pregnant. Or one that's a little bit interesting, and I'm going to share it because of a personal story, internet dating. I know people that have done it. I haven't. However, I have an esteemed colleague a number of years ago, and I am connected with quite a significant number of you in this room on social media, so if it happens any time in the next little while, I will start filtering through the probabilities of who is guilty of this. Um, the, this young man decided to take 10, 15 photographs of me off my Facebook, and he went on to christianmingles.com, and he loaded up all my information, my email address, my work address, photos, my height, my weight, uh, mobile phone number, I mean, absolutely every possible variable that you could imagine about me, because he knows me very well. And um, sure as eggs are eggs, you know, it's amazing what happens online, it's a bit of a false world, but you get lots of engagement from people. People sending you what I now know to be nudges and winks uh, at four o'clock in the morning, and they live in Atlanta, uh, Los Angeles, and other parts of the world. Uh, and the challenge I had was that I didn't have access to the account. So I just kept getting these notifications saying so-and-so has winked at you, uh, but I can't actually interact with it. Um, please don't do that to me again, right? <laughs> there are people in this room, I'm sure, that were complicit in that. Uh, but even in the world of internet dating, often it's a bit like Facebook, Instagram, etc. We present an image, don't we? So what we're asking in that moment is the person to buy into the image that we have cultivated or created. So if you do do it, use wisdom, please. But it is also, some of us, when we do it, we find that it is an inherent belief it is the only way they're actually going to meet someone because some of the guys in the church are a bit scared of talking to some of the girls in the church. So, I want to bring some encouragement and focus to us this afternoon. I did warn you that I'm going for it, so you have been warned. If we pursue things that are outside of God's will, that we think will bring lasting satisfaction and meet our needs, those are idolatrous goals. But make no mistake, that is the basic issue of the human heart. We've got to find ways today of identifying what our idols are, perhaps conscious or subconscious, abandon them, renew our minds to God's perfect plan. We have to believe and know that ultimately only God can meet our deepest needs. True transformation and freedom begins when we identify and renounce those idols. There is no other way. Our tendency in life is to default to our own natural position and our own trust and our own confidence in our own abilities instead of actually trusting into God because we buy into the lie that something or someone other than God can meet our beliefs. That's from wrong beliefs and that is fostered from wrong thinking. And so the first thing we need to do is learn how to renew our mind because when our minds are conformed to the world, we don't function in the supernatural. We don't function in the spiritual arenas that God has called us to as men and women of God. However, transformed minds know what the will of God is, which means that there is no confusion about whether it's this girl or that girl, 
or for the ladies, this guy or that guy. You know with certainty because God does not give confusion, but he brings clarity. Transformed minds are used as tools to bring heaven reality to earth. And that's why having our minds renewed is so significant. Because we live in an infallible truth that Christ alone can meet our needs. We position ourselves to live in freedom, healthy mental freedom. We live in wholeness and we live in victory. And in those moments, two precious things are achieved. We become highly motivated to move in his direction and not our own leanings and not our own thoughts and directions. Secondly, as we renew our minds, we redirect our passions. If we can't do these things, our progress is certain to be hindered. Jeremiah 17 verse 9, if you have your Bibles, a verse of scripture we all know well. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What he's pointing out here is that we seemingly gravitate to idolatry means to ensure that our needs are fulfilled. So if you were to take a moment now and consider the last time maybe an unexpected or an unexplained emotion transpired in your life, it might have been this morning, it might have been on the way to church this afternoon, it might have been yesterday or last week, what caused it? Probability is that it's a blocked goal, it's a core need, it's a deep belief that you have that somehow is being blocked. Have we reflected on the moments when they occur and considered why that they occur? Unmet or unattainable goals are, cause our emotions to reflect what's in our heart, the things working deepest in the recesses of our heart. So the key today is to then identify, well, what are the cultural lies of today? Lots of opportunities to explore that, but let's take an example whereby you go to a wedding. Now, I happen to be invited to a tremendous number of weddings, and invariably it's Scott. It's not Scott plus one, it's just Scott. You ever been to those ones where it's like a table for seven for dinner, three couples, and kind of you just stand sitting there on the side? Or, or worse, the photographs of, you know, the ladies sitting down, the men standing behind them, and then you're just kind of standing off-center, you know, um, kind of awkward. But it's okay. No, 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 no sympathy over here. I don't want to hear it. Listen, <laughs> settle down. I need you to know I am very comfortable with being single. Yeah? I'm very comfortable. I have not bought into the lie anymore that I need something or someone to make me whole. I'm whole in Christ. Right? So, let's... let's <laughs> it took me a second, but let's take a look at that. I have been to weddings, never Kensington Temple people, I would add. But I have been to weddings when I've flown to the States, mainland Europe, different parts of the world. And it's always the groom. He's bullish, he's boisterous, he knows what's going to happen. He's strong and confident. He stands up to give his speech. And the opening line, my wife has made my life whole. It's like, no, that's the lie. We need to be whole in Christ. Him and him alone. If you are single today, you are not inherently lacking anything. You are not deficient, right? There's not like something missing. You're not like missing a hand or a leg or something. You are, you are absolutely fine exactly where you are. Take it from me. Singleness is a gift for the majority of believers. I believe a few of us are called to total singleness throughout our lives. Singleness is a gift with an expiry date. That's, the, that's what you buy. Some expiry dates are longer than others, right? Amen? Everyone has different dates. But that's me on a good day. Maybe on a bad day, you kind of do look at those photos and think, well, what's going on here, God, right? 
That's natural emotions, natural feelings. But it's this sort of nonsense that we need to debunk in our lives where we somehow think that the perfect image created by other people, by their story, you know, online, everyone only talks about their successes, don't they? They never talk about their struggles, they never talk about their challenges, they never talk about their issues. It's always the positive, affirming, everything's amazing, my husband or wife is amazing, God is amazing, my church is amazing, my job is amazing, I've never struggled with anything, it's always hunky-dory. And that's just a lie that the culture has sold us that we need to always project that we are whole or perfect outside of God. Never associate delay with denial if you are single. Amen? Marriage. Let's look at that for a moment. There's a few people, few people here. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Let's look at marriage for a moment. Do not believe the lie that getting married will give you guaranteed happiness. It's another word that's used in weddings. I, I get irritated with the word happiness. I find the word joy in the Bible is a lot richer. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a state of your heart, right? Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength, right? We don't need to buy into happiness. If you aren't happy now, you're not going to be happy then. Marriage is not going to meet that need. Only God can do that. So if we hold up marriage as an idol, I find two things manifest. Our heart response is that you dream or you fantasize about marriage. For example, dangers abound. You buy into the belief that if you're married or heading towards marriage, then life would have more purpose. You'd be able to serve in church better. You would have sexual and relational fulfillment. You'd be able to face your friends with your head held high. But there are problems with those beliefs because what makes them so convincing is that they contain a lot of half-truths. Marriage does contribute to relational and sexual fulfillment. It does allow you to serve the church in better ways or certain ways, and it does give your life an increased purpose to a degree. However, the issue here is that none of those statements left alone are completely true. They come from sinful or idolatrous belief that marriage will ultimately satisfy the longings of our hearts. And as long as we place marriage, which is a good and perfect gift from God, on this pedestal, you will never be happy either in singleness or marriage. Or we take the other view. We hate marriage. We hate anyone who is married. We hate what it stands for, what it looks like, how it's worked out, and we sell ourselves the other lie that life is better, perhaps single, that you can get up and take your two-week holiday over the summer and fly anywhere you want and you haven't got a nagging wife or a nagging husband asking where you're going and how much money you're spending. We associate our current status as being the status, whereas actually we transition from one to another. I think of all the reasons why single is being better. If we determine that we have no desire to be married, then the chances are that you will never be married. We will only feel complete when we know that we belong to God. So again, we need to look for an answer. And the answer I have found for a number of years is a word found in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. Contentment. Contentment. Look at your neighbor, ask them, are you content? <laughs> and be honest. <laughs> Let me take a moment to define what contentment is. Contentment is a surrendered state of your heart. That's what contentment is. Unaffected by circumstance where you don't allow the external to affect the internal. 
where you know who you are in God, you are anchored in Him. Contentment is not about losing a desire for something. So we don't have to obsess about the idea of getting married. We must desire His perfect will more than our greatest single desire, whatever that is. Now, for many of us that are single, it will probably be to get married. But our desire for His will has to supersede that desire to get married. Philippians 4.13 words I'm sure we all know well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now we take those words out of context all the time, but have a look at verse 11. Paul uses the word content. Paul is saying, hey, when I'm full, when I'm hungry, I'm good, I'm content. That's how we need to be in our heart, in our focus. So for example, if you are truly hungry, you don't actually forget that you're hungry. So we don't over-spiritualize the matter as well, which is a big danger for us. So Paul isn't saying to be super spiritual. He's not saying, hey, if there was a big steak or a McDonald's for one or two of us that are on this side of the room available, that we would enjoy that. What he's saying here is, I've learned what it's like to live, whether I've got it or I've not got it, whether I'm full or hungry, I'm content because I know who I am in God. And I think that's the overarching goal for us today. We have to trust in Him. We have to surrender our deepest desires to Him instead of chasing the first person that smiles at you, assuming they're of the opposite sex, which is an inherent danger as well. The Lord has told me. Oh, if that one gets wheeled out again, I mean, it's just default language, isn't it? As Christians, Christianese, that's what it is as a language. The Lord has told me. Really? What has He told you? Tell me. No substance eventually. So, what are we to do about these unfulfilled longings? What are we to do about these idols? The first thing we need to do is we need to recognize sometimes we find ourselves believing lies about marriage and about singleness. We also need to allow his infallible word to fill us with truth. So if you read 1 Corinthians 7 verses 1 through 16, you will see that Paul says that marriage is good, but he also highlights that singleness is good. So both are good. What about Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26? Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on the earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's the word of God right there. He alone is enough. Don't buy the lie. The next one, however, could be tough for us. Self-understanding is vital to achieving success in the area, which means that we need to search our hearts, looking for perhaps longings that lead to bitterness, jealousy, envy in our lives, where we find our longings, our desires, our satisfactions not being met, and so we pursue something or someone else. This doesn't mean, when we pray, by the way, that we won't still struggle with them, but we know that that struggle is what God often uses for us to cling to Him and to long for more of him. A quote that I read, Keeping, keep your eyes on Christ and keep running towards him. If someone manages to keep up, take a moment, introduce yourself. Right? There's a little word for one or two of us this afternoon. Keep your eyes on Christ, the hope of glory. And if someone does manage to keep up, then take a minute, have a conversation. 
So from personal experience in my Christian walk in this particular area, the greatest and the most authentic joy you will ever experience is when you unequivocally understand and accept that every and any, every and any need that you will ever have is exclusively met in Christ. But we also need to pray about those longings. We need to pray for contentment and patience. And if you have a desire to be married genuinely, pray for God to bring about your spouse. Simply bringing that desire before him is an act of submission. And by praying for God to bring you that spouse, we acknowledge that our desires must align with his will. If it doesn't align, it's not God's will. But we often try and force it. Oh, but, you know, he's going to get saved next week. Or, oh, she's really nice and she double tithed yesterday. No, 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 no. Don't, don't buy into that. If it's not God's will, don't force it. But too often we want our will to be done. But also, by praying about our desires is more than simple submission. Remember, Jesus is everything in our relationship, which means everything must become subordinate to that relationship because it opens up our heart to God, who truly cares about our desires, who truly cares about the things and the issues that are on our hearts. And he loves when we come to him with those needs. It opens up our experiences so that we know more about his care, his peace, his provision, his purpose, so that we can pray what the psalmist prays in Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. So that's the goal, friends. We need to look at the idols in our lives, the conscious, the subconscious, the obvious, the maybe not so obvious areas of our lives and say, well, actually, I'm going to surrender them at the foot of the cross today. I'm going to nail them to the foot of that bloodstained cross. I'm going to leave them there and I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow Jesus all the days of my life and he will bring the right person in the right time. That's the plan. That's the goal. That's the commitment that we need to make today. And it starts with the genuine renewal, the continual renewal of our mind. It starts with us getting into God's word. It starts with us engaging with God in ways where we understand his heart. And his heart captures our heart and our heart captures his heart. Or we can live outside his will where there's no joy. There's no joy. That's why when Abraham was told, pick up your stuff, mate, off you go, move, move countries, he did it. You read the next words in Genesis, Abraham went. There's no hesitation, there's no questioning, there's no doubting, there's no back chat, there's no... You know, can we take a survey on this? He just goes, why? Because Abraham knew there's no joy outside of God's will for his life. And so some of us here are joyless, or we're frustrated, or we're irritated, or maybe we think that God has let us down, or God has withheld, or God is somehow not good, because we're not getting what we feel we deserve. I would urge you, take a moment, even now, let's seek God. Let's look at what the idols are in our lives. Let's surrender them. Let's focus on Christ, the hope of glory within us. Because in those moments, every person in this room will then have the ability, the joy, the freedom, the liberty to walk in God's perfect will. And when you're in his will, perfect. There's no other answer. Everything is made whole. There's no issues. We don't go through the challenges. We don't go through the issues of life that we often find ourselves in. And so if you think about for a moment where you have had heartache, turmoil, distress, moments of anger or anything, guaranteed with the greatest respect, 90 plus percent are self-inflicted wounds. 
We willingly chose to enter into this relationship or that relationship. We willingly pursued this person or that person. We willingly chose to go to this place or that place or whatever the situation is. And what God is saying today is, hey, let's lay that down. Let's put it all aside. Let's identify what our core needs are. Let's renew our mind. Let's be strengthened by him. Let's pursue godliness. 1 Timothy 6.6. Godliness with contentment is of great gain. So godliness alone is insufficient. We need the contentment, and then there's great gain.